This message was recorded at Devoted, a Christ Central Festival for all the family. To find out more about Devoted, please visit devotedevent.org. Okay, wow, it's great to have you all with us. Uh, those of you that were with us yesterday, it's great to see you again. Uh, if you've come uh, to hear Jared as a result of last night, then you are very, very welcome. It's great to see so many people kind of rammed into this room. And uh, did you enjoy Jared speaking last night? Wonderful. Well, it's, uh, it's a great privilege to, to have him with us. Uh, I met Jared probably three or something years ago um, after reading his book When Two Worlds Collide and, uh, and I just contacted him and we met up for, for coffee and uh, it was just great just to hear his heart. I've uh, been up to his church in Hull and uh, he's, he's a wonderful man of God uh, and it's, it's such a privilege to have him with us. There's so much we can learn from him so just open your hearts and welcome him now as he comes. Bless you mate. Wonderful. Good morning, everybody. So I made sense last night. Did I, I had to ask Vicky, did I finish all my stories? I was so jet-lagged. I'm like, did I make any sense at all? Well, it's amazing how God can get through, even an ass, right? So if he can use an ass, then he can use a jet-lagged Welshman, so that's all right. Wow. Okay. Well, look, briefly while we're here, Chris from St. Andrews has kindly brought a load of books over. So let me just do a quick uh, book plug. Then we're going to get into, I want it to be quite workshoppy. Okay. So I'm going to talk for a bit. Then we're going to practice something. Is that all right? Don't worry. It's not going to be scary. It's going to be fun. Uh, It's going to be easy. What I want to do is stretch you into some things to do with the Holy Spirit and pursuing the presence of God. Is that all right? Because I think that'll be quite good to do. This is kind of what I love to do. I don't mind speaking to large crowds, but what I actually want to do is develop spirit-filled culture in people's lives. That's what excites me more uh, because that's what you get to take away. And so there's going to be a real training session. So I hope that's okay. Very, very briefly, um, just to get into it, people have mentioned um, when spirit and word collide, and I even mentioned it in my preach last week. I normally give them away, but these aren't my books to give away, so I can't give these away. So sorry. Um, I feel stingy, but it's not mine. They're not mine, honestly. I don't own them. And uh, so that, if you want to grow in the things of the spirit, do you know, um, stuff like uh, leadership and ministry are two very different things. And in order to grow a church and a team in God, we need to learn both. And I go into that subject in this book, and I can't give them away, but they kind of put them on your lap because I don't have a... Are you trustworthy? Yeah, I think just, just, just about. So, yeah, she's handing them out. Look at that. <laughs> Good grief. Wouldn't happen in the Assemblies of God conference. Anyway... <laughs> Um, and I continue the theme on him. In, in it's it's all my, my, almost my latest book. I've got one that's just come out, but I don't have any stock with me called The Multi-Site Church Adventure. If you're interested in multi-site, we've planted 11 sites in the last 10 years, uh, eight of which have survived. In other words, I've got lots that I've learned about what not to do as well as what to do. And so that's available from Amazon. But also The Leadership Quest is, is a book all about the journey of leadership. My passion is spirit-filled Christianity. My preference, because I'm a worship leader by background, you know the song, King of King's Majesty, in royal robes, I don't, I wrote that years ago. But I have written more than one song. You've got to go out there and look for them. Um, but my real passion is not so much music. I got involved in music because, well, let's put it this way. If the presence of God came because of juggling, I'd have been a juggler. 
My passion is the presence of God in the church. I believe we need to build the church not just for men or to reach communities, but man, that's a great sound, isn't it? Oh, somebody's hip needs healing over there, right? That's a, that's a bad. Um, my passion is that we build spirit-filled churches that where God feels at home. And this is about my journey. Lots of leadership lessons, how to lead in your home. I've got a 10-year-old son. Uh, that affects my decision of how I travel um, because I'm not in love with my call more than my family. And there's lots of leadership things to learn in life. Well, I've got another book on its way. Quite a lot of the lessons are in here, but I want to write one called... called Shut Up, I'm Talking. No, No, bless them. They get in seats and we really appreciate them serving us, don't we? Um, But I I want to write one called In Pursuit of a Sane Revival. I think when we talk about the glory of God, spirit-filled Christianity, signs and wonders and miracles, a lot of the time we take our brains out and we stop living healthy. Why actually a lot of revivalists end up in depression is because they don't know how to live well around the glory of God. Evan Roberts, Welsh Revival, 100,000 saved, the world transformed along with other revivals going on at the same time, and yet the guy had five nervous breakdowns. To live the life of the miraculous that I'm talking about, and many of us are talking about, is a heady, difficult thing, and we need to learn to do it well. So some of the lessons of In Pursuit of a Sane Revival are in here, but there'll be a whole book one day on it, um, because we need to learn how to take care of families and stuff, right? I want to end this not only with the nation in revival. I want to sit on my porch in a rocking chair one day. I want to be married to the same woman. I want my kids not on drugs in love with Jesus, because dad was home for them. And things like that. So we've got to learn how to do all this and keep our brains plugged in, right? There's another book here called Stronger. Who's bored of being weak? And this is essentially, I discovered a few years ago, 2014, we were just talking about it, Andy, that um, it's one thing to have dreams and hopes and prophecies. It's another thing to have the resilience to see them through. And one day I woke up and realized all my prophecies and visions would be pointless if I didn't toughen up. A lot of the destiny in the Bible never gets fulfilled because of man's weakness along the way. And I learned I needed to get stronger. So this is a book about becoming stronger in God. There's an online course. There's all sorts of other little things. And then finally, this one, 500. I think it's in your little magazine. And a couple of years ago, I in 2017, was it? When when was it the 500th anniversary of the Reformation? Jet lag's kicking in. It's 2017, wasn't it? 2017. And... um, I had a two-month, it's just a great noise, I might as well just keep waffling till it goes away, right? Um, in 2017, I had a two-month prayer sabbatical. We, we need to learn to give time to seek God, right? And the directors of our church said, okay, have, have two months, have a sabbatical, but whatever you do, don't go away and write a book. Uh, <laughs> but what they meant was, don't take six weeks of the two-month sabbatical and spend it writing a book. This was a prophetic book that was downloaded in two days, 27,000 words of prophecy in two days as I sat at Greenwich down in London, and God spoke to me about the significance of the Reformation, and in fact that every 500 years, there's a remarkable change in how God is moving among his people and on the earth. Now, the very fact that you're alive in 2017 and within a few decades of means that you are alive at a pivotal season in what God is doing in the earth. 
And I, I show you right from biblical history and church history and global history how God adjusts things every 500 years, and you were alive at a remarkable change season. And this book is full of prophecy from myself and from others around the world about what God is doing in the world right now and why. Ultimately, it leads to this. We are beginning an era of glory in the church like never before. Do you know that more people are being raised from the dead right now around the world than ever in history? Now, I know we're busy changing nappies, doing the school run, paying off our mortgage. But actually, if you came upon the balcony of heaven for a moment and looked at the world, you would see something incredible is going on. I stood on the platform with Reinhard Bonnke when he led over 1.1 million to the Lord in one evening in Lagos, Nigeria. That's 11 Welsh revivals in one evening. You are alive at an incredible time in history. Never has the power of God been more available, not because we're special, and yet we are special to have been born now when he's saying, because we know the end game is this, the whole earth will be covered with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We know we are living in an era of glory, and that's what's happening, and this talks about all of that. Do you mind hanging on to those? You look trustworthy. You look, you look very sweet. Oh, really? Well, talk to Chris. You know, you never know. All right, and then finally, I've got some postcards, and they're on the table. And on here, you can get a free worship album. But also, we've got a whole uh, resource hub online with loads of online courses, loads of content, uh, video, audio courses. And essentially, for a small monthly fee, uh, people can get on and get hundreds of pounds worth of courses and content. And in fact, this autumn as well, we are opening what we call our Global Leadership Tribe, which is an online way of partnering with leaders to help build spirit-filled churches. So if that interests you, go and have a little look at, uh, at that. Grab one of them. Stay in touch. And let's see if we can join together. Right. Are we ready? Are we all, everybody wants a seat has got one? Well, I can't help you if you haven't anyway. Okay. I want to I wanna talk about pursuing the presence of God. Is that all right? I, uh, I believe uh, God is a miracle worker. Everybody with me? Um, God has moved powerfully in our church, like in many other places around the country and around the world, to the point where a few years ago the BBC came and filmed, BBC Education filmed a 20-minute little documentary for, for schools, and it was shown on BBC Two about how miracles happen in the 21st century. And so you end up on these little lists with the BBC and people like that, and they, they think, you know, if we want to know about miracles, we go and talk to, to, to Jared, you know, let's ask him about miracles. And in, in my head, I'll be honest with you, I'm going, I don't know anything about miracles. I just know when the presence of God comes to church, miracles happen. It's the, it's the manifestation of the Spirit brings all these other things. That's all prophecy is, God coming to church, us learning to cooperate with Him, and all these things happen. And you go, well, how did you perform that miracle? I haven't got a clue. Just did what Jesus said, and something seemed to happen. So if we can get the presence right, is what I'm trying to say, all the other stuff happens. And so we don't obsess about the miracles. We don't obsess about the prophecy. We obsess about the person of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God, coming to church and being among us. If we make that our center, we want it to be a place where God dwells. You see, you can have miracles by the gift of an evangelist. That's not who I am. I don't do that. What I want to do, and it's all good, it's, it's right, but what I'm over here saying is, if we build the church right as architects with God, it will become a home where he dwells, and he won't move just through a few named famous people, but through the body of Christ, because suddenly realized we are clothed in heaven and God will move. 
So that's why we need to pursue his presence as a people, not just a leadership team or a famed evangelist, but as the body of Christ. If we get our lives immersed in his glory, in his spirit, in his presence, then remarkable things happen. And you'll be a lot like our youth group that sometimes walk around looking at their own hands going, how on earth did a deaf ear open at my hand? Do you know what I mean? Let's be honest. One minute they're picking their nose and the next minute they're laying hands on you. And miracles are still happening because that is the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, taking imperfect people. Anybody imperfect here? Right? Anybody come from an imperfect church? My church was perfect once for, a, for about two weeks, and then I came off holiday, right? So we're gloriously imperfect. That's the point of the gospel. Let's not let that disqualify us from being riotous miracle workers transforming society. Okay? So we need to, what I want to do um, in, in this session is I want to break down some of the technology of what it is to pursue the presence of God. L- let's look at God almost, I, don't, I haven't got the wording for it, biologically. How does God work? Because yes, you're a person and he's a person, but you're a person with a body, he is a spirit. And so he responds very differently to stuff than we do. And we need to learn to cooperate with God. And I I hope to teach you some things about how to pursue the presence of God in your own life. Is that okay? Let's see if we can do it. A bit workshoppy. And to enrich your sense of the presence of God. Because quite simply, if you experience more of the presence of God alongside your Bible reading and all the good things that you do and bringing up your family well and growing in God in lots of other ways, if you pursue the presence of God, you will find that heaven breaks out around you. That's what it's all about. All all you need to do is get closer to the presence of the Spirit. I believe a lot of people that think they're Spirit-filled aren't Spirit-filled. Let's just be honest for a minute. Okay, just because you say yabba dabba do doesn't mean you're spirit filled. Okay, Acts 1 8 talks about there will be power after that the Holy Spirit comes on you. So, power is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Supernatural things happening is the evidence that you are filled. I think sometimes we feel a bit of the presence, but we haven't been baptized yet. In other words, we're nicely sprinkled, but we're not sozzled. Ooh, that went down well. We're not. We're not immersed in the Holy Spirit to the point where Peter's walking down the street and there's this this kind of zone around him where the presence of God is. So as we go through today, don't sit there in lecture mode critiquing what I'm saying. Because in order to get us where we need to go in the next hour, I don't need the part of your brain that does mathematics. Okay, I need the part of you that does art. So work with me. This isn't Greek thinking. I'm pushing you over into that other bit. It's spiritual. It's sensed. It's your heart. It's your gut that I'm after, not your head. And then your gut filled with the spirit will begin to affect your head. And when you get your your mind and your your spirit aligned, then things get really powerful. But that's another message, right? Um, But I, I want that bit of you that will just relax with me. I'll even use some language to stretch you. But I'm actually a very orthodox thinker, but I'm just trying to push you and stretch you. Because what I want to do is stretch your capacity so you walk out here going, okay, I I know what it is to experience the infilling fully. Uh, Not just as a noun in the past, but as a verb. I'm doing it. It's my life. It's something that's happening right now. Is that okay? So... um, now, here's the good thing. The Holy Spirit is with us here right now. There are angels in this room helping me do this workshop. Why? Because it's what he's told me to do. Okay, I haven't made it up myself. I sat up uh, early this morning because I'm jet lagged. Four o'clock in the morning just feels normal. So I sat there and I kind of slightly changed what I was going to do. And I'm writing away under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to help you guys. So it's what he wants to do. Is that all right? 
So that means he's here to help us. The Holy Spirit is not a Jedi force that we are playing with. He is a person that's in this room that knows that we're learning together in a worship environment how to enjoy him better. And he really wants that more than anything. So right now, you have a personal connection with the Holy Spirit, and he is coming to invest in you. He's going to use my words, but more than that, there'll be an impartation in the room. There'll be a sense of what he's doing. He has purpose for you in the next hour to transform your life with regards to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to do most of the work, not me. Is that all right? So I want you to be receiving while I speak. Just relax. Just get really filled because it's going to get fun. All right? Okay. So I want to give you, I can't remember how many they are, but we'll begin at the beginning and see. Where's my little watch? It's there at the top. Okay. Let's see how far we get. Um, I want to give you principles for pursuing the presence of God. Is that okay? Here's the first one. Longing. The Holy Spirit responds to longing. John 7, we'll probably come back to this verse a few times in our talk this morning. John 7 and verse 37 to 38 says this. I'll just keep careering ahead because you can make notes and you'll, you'll know some of these and listen. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit. It begins with this, whoever is thirsty. God responds to our longing. Throughout history you'll find, and this is a confusing one for us, God doesn't respond to need, he responds to longing. Think about it. If he responded to need... Every need in Africa would be met. Every need in the difficult part. If he just, there's need, I'll come and respond to it. Then everything would be solved. Because God has the power to do that. But for some reason that's beyond me, ask a better theologian. God responds to longing. And in fact, through Scripture, you can find that for, for tens of years, even hundreds of years, it seems as though heaven can be silent until somebody somewhere, you'll get this line in the Bible, it says, and men began to call on the name of the Lord. And it's almost like there's this Jurassic Park rumble in heaven. Do you know what I mean? The water cups in heaven start to tremble because God begins to, if somebody somewhere is longing for me to come into their life, it begins with craving and thirsting. You know, in, is it 2 Chronicles seven fourteen? if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, all kinds of, the word seek my face, Literally means if, if someone will crave my face, I will come from heaven and heal their land. Crave. Everybody say crave. Say long. You see, I want to ask you a question. You need to build an altar of your appetite before God. How's your longing for him? I said last night, my greatest danger is not immorality, but dullness. Actually, dullness usually leads to immorality <laughs> in the end because we become shells of what we should be. But, so, but let's come back to dullness. My greatest danger is that I do Christian stuff, but I lose my appetite to know him. I, 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 you know, I can remember being in Bible school, tw- 20 years old, and the nights of prayer and the longing. Why is it that I take because I'm, I'm, I'm privileged in the position I am to be able to do this, sabbaticals to go and pray for a month or two months at various points in my life. Um, not always because I've got a craving, because I, but because I know I need to create a craving. 
And if I don't create the vacuum that says, God, if you don't come, what do I have? I refuse to look at my half-decent church and say, well, that's okay. Then it's enough to make me look good. Life's all right. I feel a little bit fulfilled. No, God, I must have you. The revival in Pensacola in the 90s, John Kilpatrick used to sit on those steps, two and a half thousand people in his church, all their debts paid, and he would sit looking at them going, but this isn't it. There's a hunger for the presence which is different to a hunger for church. It's different to a hunger for fulfillment or activity. It's a hunger for God to be among us. And that's the first thing that God responds to. I must have you in my life. I'm frustrated. And listen, I know sometimes we can be rebels because we sit in church going, oh, I wish church was better. And we can blame the pastor. That's a good blame thing. That's a victim mentality. No, don't play the victim card. If the pastor only ran the church better, listen, you can be in the driest place in the world. But if your heart is saying, God, I must have you. You can be with two friends in your home praying. I mean, you, 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 you soon realize when you long for the presence that you don't need great church services. You actually just need a few good friends to long for God. And the adventure begins. It starts. Leadership tip. Don't preach your church full. Preach them empty. Preach them longing. Tell them the stories of revival. Remind them how good it's been in various times past when God has done incredible stuff. Don't sit there. The greatest danger is to become a half-decent, smug church. You'll have no presence. Well, we do good stuff. And you know, the grace of God will turn up and he will still do stuff. But actually, there's something that our longing builds when we sit there and go, okay, I'm thankful for everything you've done, Lord, and I'm thankful for everything that, that the hardworking teams have done. But I long for more. And I won't stop longing till the glory of the Lord covers the earth. <sighs> I long. And then when I feel that dullness coming, that smugness, and I look in the mirror and I can see ego rearing its ugly head. And like, Cooper, don't be an idiot. Nothing will end your usefulness on earth like you becoming proud, smug, full, better to stay empty. Say, God, I'm building another altar of my appetite to say, I long for you. That's what fasting is there for. Yeah. Now, fasting's really hard, isn't it? I don't know about you, but when I fast, I have visions, usually of roast chicken and things like that. You know what I mean? But it does something to dampen our consumerist flesh and cause us to go, no, there is something greater than even the wonderful things that church has become. There is something at its core because you can have church without Jesus. We must find Jesus within the church. You can't just go and be satisfied by the singing and the preaching. You have to find Jesus and your longing has to rise up within you. So should we do our first practical bit? Come on, let's stand together. I want us to pray. Think of this, think of this for a moment. Noah, let me get it right in my jet lag state. Noah uh, uh, sent out a raven, was it? Then he sent out a dove and the, the dove came back with an olive, which landed in the branches, but he couldn't find a place to dwell. So he just came back. He just hung in the branches. But when the waters had receded, the dove lived in the land again. God requires emptiness to live among us. Now, 
Many of us are happy enough to feel the flutter of the Spirit in our branches and then have him go back for the week. We'll see you next Sunday. We felt the flutter in our chorus singing. But listen, the waters of our worldliness and our busyness must recede to have him live among us. What I want you to do is empty yourself for a few moments in prayer. Say, God, I give you. What are your distractions? It's going to be different for everyone in the room. Would you just pray with me? Revival prayers. Empty yourself before God. Give him your whole life. And just begin to pray thirst and longing and appetite into your life. God, we long for you. If you don't crave God, it's real simple. Just repent. Just come before him and say, God, I'm sorry I don't crave you. It's pointless pretending that I do. Would you come and fire me up again? See, our fire, our passion doesn't come from ourselves. God has a blowtorch for your heart. Say, God, would you come and put your blowtorch on my heart and fire me up? Because I'm feeling a bit dull, a bit dry, a bit bored, a bit like I've heard it all before. God, forgive me, wash me. I empty myself. I empty myself of smugness, of all my capabilities, of all my desire for achievement and fulfillment. And I renew my longing for you this morning. And as you do that, you're going to find a sense of the presence just begins to fill you. The more you empty yourself, you're going to find his presence comes in response to your longing. Oh, Jesus, we long for you. We long for you. We long for you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Does one person in the room want to pray a prayer? Put a hand out towards me. Just to lead us in a prayer for a moment. Who's going to be a brave one and lead us in a prayer of longing just for a minute? That requires a bit of movement. Go on, someone. Go on, go. Yeah, Lord, we thank you that you are here by the Spirit. Lord, and we just say we hunger for you. We love your presence, God. Our hearts burn for you. Lord, we find that you are the satisfaction of our hearts. You give us life. You give us purpose. And we cry out for your presence right now. We thank you that you are here. And we pray, let those rivers flow. Let those rivers flow. Let us go deeper and deeper into your presence. We long for you, God. We hunger for you. We cry for you. You are amongst us. Won't you flood us again with a fire Lord, that consumes, that burns, that motivates and causes us to soar into new heights in the spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you. Go on, take your seats for a moment. So longing. Longing is the first aspect of pursuing God. I check my longing every day. Here's the second one, proximity. Everybody say proximity. If you've got a Bible, turn to 1 Samuel 10 and 5 to 7. I'll just read it to you if you haven't. Good one to go and read in your quiet times this weekend. And it's the story of um, the prophet Samuel talking to Saul about what's going to happen as he's lining him up for kingship. And listen to these verses. I love this. This is charismatic church, okay? 
It's, it's uh, Samuel talking. He says, after that, Saul, you'll go to Gibeah of God, where there's a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place. And here's the worship team with lyres, timbrels, pipes and harps being played before them. And they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. So Saul is coming along, and he encounters a group of prophets coming down. So a group of spirit-filled, let's say, spirit-on in those days, but but let's call it spirit-filled for the picture, for the metaphor. Coming down from the high place, there's prophecy, there's the Holy Spirit, and there's music. And Saul comes across their path, and the Spirit on them leaps on him. Proximity matters. Where you place yourself, because you've got to understand, one of the great pictures, one of the great metaphor pictures of God is that God is like oil. This means, what does that mean? It means this, and and this is going to be one of those little phrases that stretches you, but think about it, okay? Um, Unlike you or I, God is transferable. So if I put oil on my hand and then I touch you, oil will be left on you. God is like oil. So if I've got oil on my hand, I place it on someone, oil, God will be left on them. You know, John G. Lake used to pray over leaflets and send them out. And as people would take hold of them, this great evangelist, having prayed over them, they would fall under the power of the Holy Spirit, just opening the envelopes. They would get healed just opening the envelopes. God is transferable. Do you know that people are more likely to encounter God when they encounter you? That's why he says go into all the world. So Peter's walking down the street and his shadow is healing the sick. Why? Because when the rivers of living water begin to stir through us, the Holy Spirit begins to get on people around us. That's why he says we're two or three gather in my name. I am there. Well, we kind of go, well, you're always there. You're everywhere. No. So it must mean something more. I am manifest there where two or three of you gather together. Why do we gather in corporate worship or in prayer meetings together? What, what, what happens? Something happens that grows the sense of the Spirit when we're together. Now, I love the phrases here. Let's just do a little bit more of this passage here. It says, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully on you, Saul, and you will prophesy with them, and you'll be changed into a different person. Now, I looked into all the wording of what that means. Listen to this. It means this. The breath of God will rush upon you and overturn you. Oh, somebody grunt, right? The wind of God. Listen, it means the thoughts of God. The wind of God and the thoughts of God can come from the same words. Isn't that incredible? So when the Holy Spirit comes on you, the mind of God is coming on you. When the Holy Spirit fills you, you begin to think God thoughts without even trying. And then you have to begin to say, this is what hearing the voice of God is. You can hear God's voice, your voice, and the devil's voice. Thank you for the last one, Jesus. Not, right? What does it mean to hear God's voice? We're panning for gold. In us somewhere is the voice of God. The more you get filled with the Holy Spirit, the more amplified that voice becomes. The mind of God, the thoughts of God will rush upon you and overthrow you. This is what it is to be filled with the Spirit. Somebody get excited somewhere. It's a, now listen, it says the thoughts of God will rush upon you, and I like this phrase, and turn you into the next man. Everybody say the next man. Now, I don't know about you, but for my next phase, I need to become the next man. See, I'm not the same person that the Holy Spirit came on when I was age six 
or when I was 18 or 21, the Holy Spirit has rushed upon me many a time and transformed me into the next man for my next chapter. I can't do the things I'm dreaming of for 30 years from now, but if he keeps rushing on me, he will overturn me and turn me into the next man. Now, what was the context of where he met God? He got around people that had lots of the presence on them, and the presence got on him. Come on, you know what it's like. All you need to do is get four friends that really want to meet God. If the longing's the same, you get in a living room together, what happens? Come on, everyone. Some of you know this in the room. Let's teach it to everyone else that hasn't experienced it. You don't just go to Sunday services. You get with three friends that long for God. Now, what happens when you get with three friends that long for God and four that don't want God? The atmosphere is different, right? You kind of want to kick them out of the room. Anybody? Everybody knows what I'm saying. It's a principle. The Holy Spirit is offended by those who don't long for him. Even Jesus kicked people out of rooms before he began to heal people. Why? Because I've got to have the right people. Proximity matters. I'm going to get around people that understand the things of the Spirit, and the Spirit will increase in my life. It's one of the secrets to pursuing the presence. Get me around fire starters. Get me around people that carry something. And you just go, well, around you, just something in me just begins to shift. Right? proximity. Who are you around? I look at some people, I tell them again and again, you know, we've, we've all got people in our lives. You know the phrase, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a friend of fools suffers harm. And I look at, I look at some of my friends and I, I go, you've got to stop hanging with them. Oh, but they're lifelong friends and it'll offend them. No, You've got to choose your associations because they increase or decrease the presence on you. I watch these people with bad associations in prayer meetings. And while everyone else is fired up and going for it, they're there scraping the barrel trying to go, I'm trying to work up the same kind of passion as everyone else in the room, but something has depleted me. Bad proximity. It sucks out of you. Good proximity adds presence to you. This is why I say if you're in a hard time, the last thing to do is stop going to church. Just go. Even if you turn up late and leave early, go. Get in the presence of God because you're more likely to meet God around presence-filled people. Okay? Even if they're idiots, just get spirit-filled. Come on, that's how we feel sometimes, right? And I'm the pastor. I want to turn up late and leave early sometimes. But even in our brokenness, even a donkey can carry the spirit for me because they might not be perfect, but they got longing. So I'm like, it's just something about being next to you that fills me. It's a sacrament. It's a means of receiving grace. Okay, so proximity matters. Get around people of the Spirit, and you will find an increase of the Spirit. So longing, proximity. Here's a third one, music. I joked last night when Nathan came up to play for us. You know, even Elisha got grumpy. And said, I, I can't do this. I'm too. Does your flesh ever get so loud you can't hear the Spirit? Yeah? Do you ever get in such a bad mood that even if the angel Gabriel turned up and told you to repent, you'd no, I'm enjoying it now, right? <laughs> yeah, 90% of you are, but yeah, yeah, the others are like, am I allowed to say that? This is how it said, 2 Kings 3.15, if you want the, the verse. It says, then Elisha said, as surely as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand... Were it not for my regard for the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, because he was irritated over some other stuff that had gone on, I would not even look at you or acknowledge you. But now bring me a harpist. 
And while the harpist played, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. There's something about music. Now, this isn't just emotion. Now, we can think it is, but I want to train you better. I want to take you into the science. It isn't just emotion. This is an activation of your prophetic anointing as a believer. Music activates the prophetic. That's what's happening here. As the music was played, his irritation was dying down and his gift was beginning to be accentuated. The hand of the Lord came upon him. We need to learn to use things like music to activate our prophetic side. Now, here's why the prophetic side is important. Little study, the word prophet, prophet, two parts to the word. The first part of the word pro means to stand before. And the second part, fet, means to reveal or to, um, to, to, to disclose. Uh, just take the first part of it for a minute because it's the first half of what it means to be prophetic. The prophetic part of you, every one of you in this room, has a prophetic part. It, now, it can be big or small, but you've you got at least a bit. There's, I believe there's an apostolic part of you. Now, I don't mean office. I just mean it's almost like there's five valves in an engine, and we all, some of you are very teachery. You know what I mean? Uh, some of you are very pastoral, you see. Okay, let, let me work through this. The pastors stand before the people. That's how they're wired. When, a, when you've got a strong pastor gift, you, you're going to think about the people first. The teachers stand before the word and principle first. The principle of the thing is the most, and that's godly and it's right. Um, uh, name another one. The evangelist stands before the lost. Okay, but listen. This is why the prophetic side of you, and we've all got at least a bit, and some of you got a lot. The prophetic side of you stands before God. So when your prophetic anointing is activated, a sense of the throne of heaven begins to grow in you, and the presence of God increases. Why? Because that's the first part of what it means to be prophetic, is to stand before God and begin to receive from Him so that you can release. Now, music activates your prophetic side. Now, I haven't got perfect things to do, to do it with here. Let's see if we can make this work. Is my microphone on nice and, nice and loud? You might need to help me. Now, I will sit, because I've got a prophetic, I'm not a prophet, but I've got a prophetic side to me. And so I will sit sometimes and prefer, prepare a prophetic message, and I will put music on. I might even put on a sound like this for six hours because it keeps my gift activated, and then I will just begin to write under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to just, just, just close your eyes. Let's see if we can do this. I've got a little sound on my, on my um, in fact, no, let's stand together. Thank you. It's a good exercise. I've got a sound here. Okay, now I want you to just concentrate for a moment. I want you to think about the level of the sense of the Spirit and the presence of God in your life right now. We're using those terms interchangeably this morning. That's fine. Just think about the level that you feel. Then I want you to think about what happens when I begin to play just a single note on my iPad. Many of you are going to find an increase in the presence of God. Some of you greatly because you're quite prophetic. Some of you less so, but you'll probably still sense at least a bit. I want to inform you, it is more than emotion. It is the presence of God being activated by music, and it causes you to be before God. Okay, here we go. See if this works. I just threw the mic. Is that all right? Much don't even know where the speakers are on this thing. Okay. Concentrate on that. That's all it's going to be. 
know, to the artistic side of you, not the mathematical side of you. Just flow with it. Let the sense of presence increase. What Elisha was experiencing. Wonderful. 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 Did you feel that? Hey, now, I haven't done anything. I haven't laid hands on anyone. This is you activating your spirit and using God biology, understanding the science of how it works. He wired you so that music activates your prophetic side, which brings your heart before the throne of God. Okay, and you sent, now, there's lots of other things that we could, I, I could teach for a month on this stuff. That's when the prophetic gift begins to be activated because the most powerful part of the sense of his presence is not the feeling. Now, in our approval addicted age, lots of charismatics kind of park there and go, I just love to feel him and I'm just going to soak forever. No, the most powerful part of the presence of God is the voice that's in the presence not the feeling of the presence. So uh, if you camp out at the feeling, you'll eventually become kind of, you'll be a reservoir, kind of jaundiced with it. 
okay? You, you, you need to get to flow with it and realize this is the person communicating with you to take you on a journey, okay? Is, is it 2 Peter one twenty one Prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but, but men spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. What's just been opened up to us, that's the one who wants to now carry us in ministry and in worship and in prayer and in evangelism and in kingdom things. We've just got to learn how to relate to that, that sense of the person as our hearts went, oh, God. Okay, now you're supposed to live with that. Oh, God, well, how? Longing, proximity, music, and then some other things. Take a seat. You get something from that? Use music. Use music. It's part of pursuing the prayer. Thank you, PA person, for helping me. I really appreciate that. I didn't warn you at all, did I? Sorry. Um, Okay, Uh, turn to the book of uh, Acts, chapter 2. Let's do the next one. Um, How you think affects the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, John 3.34 says this, God gives his spirit without measure or without limit. So let's take that to mean God always gives all of himself. So there's no more of God in some great service with Reinhardt in Africa right now than there is with us here. Now, there might be a different purpose. There might Because God is a person, not a Jedi force. So he wants to do different things on different days. So he'll come in different ways. That's fine. But understand there's not more of God in some great service somewhere with some great man of God. The full power of God is here. But our perspective, our expectation, let's use the biblical word, our faith affects what happens. Even with Jesus, dishonor, which is a a human form of disbelief in each other or in God in each other, even stopped Jesus doing miracles. It didn't say he could not, he would not do miracles. Mark actually says he could not do miracles in his hometown because people's perspective even shut Jesus down. Wow. Faith, our, no, no, let, let me break it down. What is that? Well, it's what you're thinking while you're praying. That's all faith is. What, what are you thinking about? How big do you think God is? How much do you think he loves you? What do you think he's about to do? The thoughts that you are thinking are the train tracks of either faith or unbelief and doubt or fear. So we need to learn to stretch our faith. So I'm going to stretch your faith. Is that okay? Just, just work. Let's see if we can do this. Oh boy, we're running out of time anyway. Um, here we go. Acts 2 verse 38. So we're talking about faith now in this moment. That's the next step. Your faith affects how you walk with God. What you believe, what you think about what's going on is really important. So let me stretch you because I think we've picked up some bad unbelief along the way. Acts 2.38 says this. Peter replied, repent. This is the moment where the Holy Spirit's poured out. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. Are you with me? Now, it's not a gift in the sense that it's, you know... something fun to play with. It's a gift in the sense that the Holy Spirit is free. Are you with me? You need no earning potential to receive the Holy Spirit. You don't get, you don't get more because you have a longer quiet time as such. Now, you might get more sensitive as you grow in maturity, but you're not earning the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? You are not earning it. You need no earning potential to be absolutely clothed in power from on high. 
knowing the Holy Spirit is a gift to you, which tells me this, you have decided how much you have. Because he doesn't come by limit. He's not limit. All the fullness of God comes on you. Okay. And he's free. So it's not like, well, I've got 10 pounds, so I can have 10 pounds worth. Oh, I've got 100 pounds. I can have 100 pounds worth. I'm more spiritual today than yesterday. Therefore, I can have more. No, he always comes with all of him. So it's our perspective that limits him. Benny doesn't get more than you. Ryan doesn't get more than you. Jared doesn't get more than you. All of God is on you. So I want want you to stretch your faith. He's free. It means that you are the limiting factor. He's not. So how are you with free stuff? I I stay in a lot of hotels. I like staying in hotels. There's free stuff. We were in in Sydney the other week, and we were in quite an expensive hotel. So Vicky kept popping back to reception because there was bowls of apples. I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm trying to get my money's worth. And she grabbed another one as we went by. What? It's not stealing. They're free. Come on, you walk into a hotel room. There's all those shampoos. Do you, you, I, I hope you do. I hope you're not nice British people, but you do what you're supposed to do. You scoop them all off and put them in your bag because the next day the maid will replenish all of them. I mean, I, I've got I've got chest of drawers full of hair nets and combs and do you know what I mean? I just collect it all, especially if there's a really good hot chocolate sachet. Take them all because the maid will give you more. Don't think, well, I don't need it today. No, 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 no. Collect them. Why? You've... Once you've paid for the room, they're free. Jesus paid for salvation. The Holy Spirit's free. Start scooping handloads of the Holy Spirit. Stop being, oh, well, I've got enough. See, if you've got a scarcity mentality, you think God will run out of spirit for you because he's busy in Africa. You know, those prayers, I know you've got better things to do, but it's an insult to God. All of the power of God I'm just praying for the interpretation. Anybody? Just... Oh, collect child. Does that, does that need to be said now? Does that need to happen now? No? Um, what are we saying? Okay. I've got two friends. One's English, one's American. They went into a Christian bookshop. The, the, the owner invited them in and said, look, uh, have whatever you want. Look, it's, we're well stocked. Go for it. Have. You can have anything. I don't mind. And, and so the one went out, the English guy went out and he, he picked up a CD and a Joyce Meyer book and a key ring. And he turns up at the counter and like, what? So British, isn't it? What, what, the owner says, what are you doing? Well, you said I could have anything. Yeah, but I, I'm not lacking stock. Y- you know, and this is what we do with God. How much do I think? I don't want to inconvenience. How much do I think I deserve? And he said, look at your American friend. The American got a trolley and was scooping stuff off the shelves. <laughs> You've got to start scooping. To bring up those kids, you need to start scooping. To face that, that, school, that school classroom, you need to start scooping. Okay, to, to lead that church, you've got to start scooping. You should be drunk as a skunk as often as possible, filled with the Holy Spirit, overwhelmed by his power, because that's where miracles live. That's where the mind of God lives. That's where you become the next man, the next woman for the next stage. We need to learn again what it is to be filled. When we look at so many of our heroes through the Bible we, and, and, and through history, we often miss how filled they were with the power of God. 
some of our great heroes, you can even see the videos of them. And you're looking, you think, well, I thought that was a faith guy. But you look at him, he's drunk as a skunk. You know, the, what do I mean by that? I, I'm sorry if that's naughty language. Overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit is what I should say. And, and you can see great faith guys, but they're, they're like this. What are they? Listen, your body is a physical temple of the Holy Spirit. When he fills you, I wish we had some x-ray device to study God in us. So you could go, you look at that. That's God. Wow, there's nothing in your little toe. But look there, you know. Your physical body is the house that the Spirit lives in. And often, but not always, let's just say sometimes, you feel overwhelmed when he floods your blood and your bones and your brain and your digestive system, and he fills you. But that's how he works. And then that hand filled with the Holy Spirit touches someone else, and God is imparted, and things begin to break out. That's how God works. But you must understand, first one, He's free. Therefore, you have as much as you want. You have decided, not God. Here's the second one. Um, a few verses before, and we really are running out of time. Um, at verse 33, Acts 2:33, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see in here. Everybody say promised. The Holy Spirit is promised. All God's promises are yes and amen. The Father loves to give the Holy Spirit. Now, if my son asks for a Haribo, I might give him one. I might even give him three while I eat the rest of the packet. But anyway, let's not go there. Um, you know, but there comes a point when you go, no, no more. But when my son asks for broccoli and then asks for more and then asks for more, am I ever going to say no? No, why? It's a superfood. It's good for you. The Holy Spirit is God's superfood. Listen, it's promised. He is never going to say no. Stop thinking it's sovereign. He has already said yes. It's up to you, not only how much you have, but when you have. Because he's already said yes to your prayer. Which means, and this has been my practice since 1994, I get as overwhelmed in the Holy Spirit as I choose to be every day. I can be literally overwhelmed and lying on the floor by a simple recognition of, okay, Holy Spirit, have me, fill my body. And it's totally up to me whether I'm overwhelmed on the floor for four hours or I've got other things to do. It is not a sovereign act because of a great meeting or a man of God. It is just the state of the Spirit-filled believer. Now, when I first married, Vicky thought I was a little bit mad being like this, but now she gets drunk as a skunk as well on cue. Because this is where I believe our faith, our our poor belief has done us wrong. We think he is strongest at the end of a service when we walk forward and there's a real man of God or woman of God at the front. It's all to do with... Per now, of course, God moves in those ways. But it's largely geared by expectation still. Come on, work with me. Let's be real about it. If you can change your expectation to believe, do you know what? It can be as powerful in my living room as the greatest man or woman of God that's ever lived could if they turned up. It, it's due to do with belief. Poor belief will go, well, it's better when the man of God comes. Good belief says, me and God. Me and God. And here's why. Um, I'm rushing forward. I hope it's okay. Listen to this verse. John 4 says this. And it's Jesus with the Samaritan woman at the well. You know it. John 4, 13. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Listen to this. Indeed, the water I give him will become, everybody say become, in him a spring of water. So listen. And then later in John 7, it says he's talking about the, the water. He talks about it's the Holy Spirit. Okay. When Jesus gives you a drink of water, 
it becomes something in you. Are you with me? So when you receive a drink of water, you don't just, what's your name again? Ruth. When Jesus comes to Ruth and fills her with the Holy Spirit for the first time, he did, I've drunk from it, so you don't want, but let's just pretend, giving you a drink of water and you're drinking, you don't just get a drink of water. When you take, I'll have it back now. When you, when you take your first drink, it becomes a well in you. So you have your own well. The first drink creates your own spring. So let's work on this one. Where does the Holy Spirit come from? Out the ceiling, up the floor? No, out of your innermost being. So as much as you want, because he's free, whenever you want, because he's already said yes, at your will, because you have your own well inside. Where do I drink from? Well, it's inside me. Now, I, I do experience God moving through a room and, you know, all the, he's a person, he does all that. But mostly, where does the infilling come from? Actually, already from within me. Because somehow, now, what is a well? It is a visible place with a secret source. If you go through Africa, you'll, you'll, you can, you'll be going through, through barren bushland and desert, but all of a sudden you've got green and palm trees and bougainvillea, and you know they've got a, there's no river running through it. They've got a secret source of sustenance. Somehow they've dug down deep, and water is being drawn from a secret place. It's the same with us. I can't see it, but you are connected to the very throne of heaven. There is an umbilical cord between your gut and the very throne of God. And any time you want to, as much as you want, whenever you want, you draw on that and get filled. Do you know that Jerusalem is not like one of the major cities in the world, all these major cities that are built on large rivers, is it? It doesn't have a river. It has a spring. And the Gihon Spring is an unusual spring because it bursts through just one to five times a day. There's a burst of water because there's a siphon that draws water into Jerusalem. In other words, the source is hidden. And many of us miss it. and We humanize Christianity. Listen, I stand up here right now and I'm not bringing you stuff from my brain. That is cooperating, hopefully. And if I get it right, it really will cooperate. But what I'm really doing is I'm drawing from the throne of God, which is somewhere in heaven, because I'm, just like you, the gate of heaven, right? And I'm drawing the Holy Spirit into me, along with the thoughts of heaven, and he's filling me so that I can begin to cooperate with God. Is it a sovereign thing? No, it's, it's an actual thing. It's just who I am as a new creation, and same with you. I am attached to a river in heaven, and whenever I want, he fills me as much as I want. Spirit without limit. At will. Not waiting for a sovereign move, not waiting for Sunday. Monday morning's as good as Sunday morning as far as I'm concerned in my life. Why? Because I've retrained my faith to believe it's not about meetings, it's about meeting him. I'm not, I, I'm, I don't need to wait for a revival. I am a revival. Come on, bro somebody, right? You know what I mean. So, should we practice something? Just stand with me. What time does this finish, Andy? All right, okay. (laughs) Oh, that's brilliant. Okay, longer than I thought. Okay. So, I'm going to do the music thing again. Is that okay? And um, so, just to begin with, close your eyes where you are. And I want you to stretch your faith. What does that mean? I want you to stretch your thinking in this moment. 
Get rid of imposter syndrome, oh, everybody in the room but me. Get rid of thinking, well, am I good enough, this, that, the other, or I'm really hungry, I'm waiting for my pizza. Just put all that to one side. Let your longing rise. You're in a room full of spirit-filled people, so there's a, there's a river beginning to flow in this room. Now I want you to stretch your anticipation. Okay, as much as I want. Some of you will look back in history and go, I remember that time I was really overwhelmed with the Spirit and you've made it an event in the past rather than a lifestyle. If you choose, being overwhelmed by the power of the Spirit can be a lifestyle. It's just a faith choice. As much as you want. Now, I want you to start to get filled with the Holy Spirit more than you have ever been filled before. Stretch your capacity. This is not through a man of God praying for you. This is you activating your spirituality in God, your new creation. It's who you are. We're pursuing his presence. Get filled. Get filled as much as I want, whenever I want, because he's already said yes. So if you're not feeling much, just begin to activate that faith. Okay, God, I'm not feeling much, but I'm trusting that you're beginning to do something in me. And just begin to pursue that thought. I trust you, God. Scripture says it, and you're not a liar, therefore I am being filled. Just begin to work your mind around those thoughts. That's how faith is activated. You reason with faith. Okay, now I'm just going to add a little note to that. We're putting everything together now. And be filled. Just, I didn't mean that kind of music. Right, now, come on, stretch. Now, some of you need to drop your respectability. You're being nice in English. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Jesus. Now, practice this. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So right now, that, that feeling of the Spirit, I want you to allow that feeling of the Spirit to fill to fill your arms right now. That's it. Imagine it going down your arms. That's what your imagination's for, to lock on to supernatural things that you can't quite understand. That's why the prophets say it was like this and like that and like the other. Imagine oil or electricity flowing down your arms, flowing down your legs, filling your bones right now. Your bones are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh! That's it, feeling your hands right now. Those hands that are going to heal many. Feel him in your fingers. <laughs> I feel it in my fingers. Come on. Jesus. Let him fill your mind, your brain right now. And usually many people feel it. It's coming up through your gut, in your belly is where you feel the flow. Not everyone. Probably two-thirds of people feel it in their gut. That's it. More, more. Stretch your faith. Come on. Without limit. Oh, more. Some of us are so used to the desert, we forget what the waterfall feels like. Come on. More, more. Get saturated. Immersed, not sprinkled. Immersed. There he is. There he is. There he is. Immersed. Immersed without limit. Oh, without limit. 
without limit, without limit. Without limit, without limit, without limit, without limit, without limit. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Longing, proximity, a little bit of music, and a stretched faith perspective. There's no ministry time going on here. This is you and God relating, just like you can do on a Monday morning. It's you and God. Longing, proximity, a little bit of godly music, a stretched faith perspective. He's yours. You are baptized in God, immersed. There's a God zone flowing around you. Rivers of living water flowing from within you. Flowing, first of all, into your mind and into your body and into your will. Overturning our shame and indignity and giving us faith and dignity and purpose. That's the Spirit of God. That's the Spirit of God. That's the Spirit of God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. While you're stood there, I want you to think about this. Jesus gave the woman at the well a drink of water. That's how he was expressing it, let's say, okay. And he said, the water I give you will become in you a spring, welling up to eternal life. Eternal life is defined in John as knowing God. There's a spring that wells up knowing, experiencing God. It's where your knowledge of God comes from. Again, it sits in the artistic side of our personality rather than the mathematical I know and experience God. Every time Jesus has given you a drink of water, let me put that in another phrase. Every time you have encountered God in some way in your history, he has left a well inside you through the encounter. 
Here's another way to pursue the presence. I want you to understand this. Old encounters carry fresh water for today. I want to, let me put it another. Old wells carry fresh water. The well might be 300 years old, but the water in it is today's water. I want you to begin to memorialize, to remember sometime you met God. He spoke to you. There, there you go. That's the water coming out. Okay. Just remember sometime you met God in the past and dwell on it. You're going to find there's water in there. Can you feel it? There's water in there for today. Those encounters were marking you with a spring. And he's saying, you can drink from this whenever you want. Those dreams you had, those mo- you can remember a phrase. One of the ones, what I love to preach it because I get filled as I preach it. The story I told last night, you are my son. And in fact, you can drink from my spring. When I say it, I bet some of you feel an increase of the Spirit of God. Why? Because it comes out of an encounter. You are my son, God said to me. There's water in that for me. I go back there. Just begin to go through some of your encounters. When he spoke a very clear word or a phrase or a picture or a feeling, it's not just history, it's a spring. I'll give you a few seconds just to digest that one. Come on, think it through. Old encounters carry fresh water. Drink. See, you're an eternal being. So you might have had an encounter 50 years ago, but to God, it was just a minute ago. That's the best way I can describe it. It doesn't matter that it was 50 years ago. He marked you with a well that you can drink from for the rest of your life. You should drink from it before you minister. You should drink from it before you face the day. That's what your encounters are for. Remember when God said, and you drink. There's water in that encounter. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Jesus, 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 Jesus. All right, let's take a seat for a moment. We'll do, we'll see if we can do two more. So a stretched faith perspective. All of the Holy Spirit comes to you whenever you want, okay? And uh, why? Because he loves you to bits. He wants you to eat lots of broccoli, that's why. The next one is important, um, momentum, to keep practicing the presence as a daily thing. If you try to enjoy the presence once every three months, you'll, you'll be somebody that's visiting the oasis from the desert, and it takes time to acclimatize. You're going to have spiritual jet lag, <laughs> okay? But if we learn to live in the sense of the presence, it becomes, we become more sensitive. I can tell a church when they haven't had much of the move of the Spirit because you're there going, oh boy, we're, at, we're starting out in the desert this, this Sunday morning. We're going we're gonna to try and take them from A to B. You can tell when a, a, a community is living in the sense of the Spirit because you go, wow, we're already at G you know, whatever, M, N, and we're already there. Why? Because we're living in it. So there's an automatic sensitivity. Some of us get so used to doing our Christianity dry 
we become very good at it. We get all our little props up. We've got all our little, you know, Bible reading plans and the list of missionaries that we pray for. We do our, get our brownie points and off we go. That's our spirituality. But we've, we've lost the intimacy with the Holy Spirit, which is the very thing Jesus died to give us. It's supposed to be eternity starting today, not when we die. Eternity has been birthed in our hearts. And there's a well that bubbles up to eternal life. Okay. And so momentum is really really powerful. I remember I wanted to learn and grow in the area of healing. And so it was probably uh, 15 years ago, maybe more. I was still, just killed a spider. Oh no, it's still there, heading your way. Um, uh, And so I thought, I I thought, well, I'll go out and I'll do worship and healing nights. I didn't tell anybody that I didn't know anything about healing. I just thought, well, I'll, I'll go and we'll do it off the back of the worship. We'll do some healing nights. And we headed out, and, and, I, and I did a week. And largely, the, the first five nights were about the same size. And the, the last one was a bit of a different thing. But the first five nights were about the same size. On the first night, about seven people got healed. On the second night, about 15 people got healed. On the third night, about 25 people got healed. On the fourth night, in about 30 seconds, 30 people were healed as you just rattled off words of knowledge. And then you said, who just got healed? And they went like this. Here's my question. Did God get better at healing? right? I was getting better at cooperating with the Spirit. Momentum is huge. Grow. In other words, make a commitment. I've got this little commitment in my heart. Every day, God, I want something supernatural in my life. Every single. doesn't have to be spectacular. Don't, get, don't fall for that one because that'll have you in, in knots. That's not a good place to go. Don't look for the spectacular every day. That's unhealthy. But look for the supernatural. God Every day in my prayer life, in my interactions with my money, with my, you know what I mean? God, I, I want to see something that is of another world every day in my life so that I keep growing in these things. Why? Because it's what I, that's the new creation that I'm born into. I should see something supernatural every single day. And then the, the final one, and we're going to end with this, um, uh, is praise. Praise and worship. Just think about this, leaders in the room. I've just been going through, uh, what day of the week is it today? Saturday, yeah, this week. I was going through, and I was, I was reading Exodus, Leviticus. I mean, you know you're in revival when you read Leviticus and enjoy it, right? Mildew in the walls anyway. So Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, um, the First and Second Chronicles. And I'm looking at how much, think of this, how much God had his people plan worship and its importance at the center of who they were. You know, building tabernacles right down to the very minute details of what should be on the robes and what little things should look like, and when they should do this, and the horn should be there, and the blood splattered there. And I mean, it's just immense de- God going into immense detail about and what I really care about is worship right at the center of my people. Why? Because the whole point of this, in Genesis, you get the voice of God walking with man in the cool of the day. You get to Revelation, and it's now the dwelling place of God is with man. That all he wants to be. He's obsessed with us. He wants to dwell among us. And one of the ways, one of the most powerful ways he dwells among us, listen, if you want what we call in our church a presence culture, to be a place where God dwells, it rides on the worship of the people. God's not looking for worship teams or worship leaders. He's looking for worshipers. 
He is looking for a community that worships because God dwells in that. If God dwells in the praises of his people, where is it? Um, Psalm 22, verse 3. God dwells, inhabits, is enthroned, is married. Wow. In the praises of his people. Let me just use another phrase to stretch that. God lives in our songs. Just think about that for a minute. Our God is a lion. The Lion of Judah, he's roaring in battle or something, and fighting our battles, and every knee will bow before. He's, he's in that. Just, just work with me. The science of it, he says, I'm in that. So, no presence, then suddenly, our God is a lion. God, I'm here. That's what he says about it. Now, not, not just singing the set list, heart, mind connected, because you can worship him in vain, we saw last night. So it's, it's got to be more than a disconnected, just, just a voice. But when the heart, listen, with an artist, right, with a musician, you can always tell when the artist has been to heaven, because when they sing, you hear heaven on their voice. Our God is the lion, the lion of Judah. He's roaring in power. And fighting our battles, and every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb, and every knee will bow before him. See, God just walks into the room to true worship. At churches, build your community so it rides on the worship of the people. We have this phrase with our church. We don't feel right if there's not a move of God at our core. It's as though, it's as though we try to as best we can. And it's really an imperfect church. Don't let me pretend for a moment. But we try as best we can to have this worshipping, prayer-filled core. Because that's exactly how the children of Israel were designed to be. It should be the same with us. We're rebuilding the tabernacle of David. We're building right at its core. This is all about us encountering God, being those prophetic people whose hearts are standing before God. Why? Because then everything else comes into alignment. If we do social action but without him, it just becomes good works. If we do teaching without him, it becomes great theory. If we do passion without him, it's just sociology. But when the heart of our community faces him, then the gates of heaven burst open and God comes in and we begin to ride something that's beyond us. And it's our worship. It's our worship. Now, it's not, it's not necessarily our worship teams. This is where we go wrong. I go to lots of churches. They say we've got awesome worship at our church. And in my heart, I know, I know what you mean. You've got a good worship team. And they're two whole different things. I stand at many places and I look at the worship tree and I go, fantastic. Then I look around and I see no interaction. And that's why there's no presence in the room. Why? Because nobody's being prophetic. Nobody's getting their heart up before him so that electricity fills the room. Many of us are kind of, well, let's not go there. As a whole community, every single one of you, Sunday morning, Friday night, whenever it is that you meet, I know you can only go to a certain depth at different times. We use the picture of a, a church is like a swimming pool, shallow end and deep end. You've got to have deep end moments. It might be a half night of prayer. It might be your prayer meeting. It might be your conferences. It might be a week like this. But somewhere in your church life, you've got to be able to go deep so that everything flows back up through the pool and out into the community. We've got to go deep somewhere. And that requires not a great worship team. 
It at least requires a team that can play enough music to activate us, right? And also be clever enough to stay out of the way. Because that's what glory requires, that the priests can no longer do their duty. When glory turns up, they get quieter. But every good worship team wants that. If they're performers, they don't. But if they're worship team, they want that. We didn't have to play a note tonight. We were all on the floor. God was in the building. That was it. Bish, bash, bosh, done. Okay, that's where we, that's where we want to be, right? But when every single heart is beginning to connect with God and your stream flows with your stream and your stream and your stream and your stream, the stream becomes a river and suddenly the heavenly river begins to flow in the church. And then we carry that back out to the workplace and the school place and our neighbors and there's a river that flows. Then we gather again to combine our rivers together, our streams together. And something supernatural is going on among us, but it rides often when we gather to worship him. I was reading a bit of Francis Chan this week. Anybody read any Francis? I mean, you, you, I mean, put your boxing gloves on when you read Francis Chan. He was talking about, here's a great example. He says to his, he says to his daughter, so if for your birthday party, I, uh, I didn't hire anything and it was just going to be you and a little bit of food, how many People would come from, you know, your friends, your clients. She said, oh, well, a, a few would come. He said, well, what would happen if I, if, if, if I hired a clown and, and this and that and all these other gifts? I said, oh, well, the whole school would turn up if you did that. And he said, well, wouldn't it be crazy for me to turn to you then and say, with all of the school turned up, look at all these people that have come to celebrate your birthday. Do we have to go for kids? Is that what's happening? Okay, go for it. If you need to go for kids, go for it. I'll finish off. Wouldn't it be an insult to, to pretend that all those people had come for your birthday? Sometimes we're filling our churches with gimmicks that people aren't willing to turn up for God. Come on, work with me, someone. Here's a great phrase, and it just caught me. I think it might have been a Francis podcast this week. He just said, isn't God enough? Wow. How do we fill our churches? More lights, more smoke, better music, louder, shorter preaching, more donuts, hotter coffee. Now, listen, there is a time to gather a crowd, but let's just remember that it is a crowd. It's not church. Okay. At some point, we have to become the church in that. And it has to be a place where there are not people being entertained, but worshipers. Why? Because God dwells in that. Can we end this moment, this time together this morning with a blast of worship? Combine all of the things that we've learned. Get filled with the Spirit. Let there be praise. Let there be music. I don't know where we'll get it from, but we'll make our own music. Somebody play some spoons quick. And let's, let's have an absolute blast of worship and flood this place with the presence of God. Come on, come on.
Jesus, 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 oh, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Let's just put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. Let's do a bit more proximity. There's oil just flowing around this room right now. That's it. Longing. Proximity. Oil flowing right around this room. He gives the Spirit without limit. There he is, right across this room, the spirit without limit, the spirit without limit. The spirit without limit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be immersed with the Holy Spirit. It takes ordinary men like Peter and makes them extraordinary in a moment takes fearful people and makes them bold, takes religious people and fills them with life. Be filled. Be filled. Be filled. Right now, let the manifestation of the Spirit take place. Healing bodies right now. Drink in your healing if you need it. Bible says the Holy Spirit gives life to our mortal bodies. We speak, we speak to blood diseases right now. We command them to be healed in this room in the name of Jesus. We speak into the area of family trauma right now. There's somebody here. I just see an oil being poured out right now into your life. God is oiling taking the grit out of what's going on in your world right now. Peace, be still, the Holy Spirit says. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. God, we ask that we would go from strength to strength in the pursuit of your presence. That we would not stop here at this wonderful sense of of your spirit, but we would learn what it is to hear the voice in the presence and begin the great adventure of the supernatural. This isn't the end point. This is the fun start point. Amplify the voice of God. Do what you said on the day of Pentecost. There will be dreams and visions and prophecies. That means assignments and predictions 
and corrections and uh, an approval from heaven and teaching of the Holy Spirit and new skills delivered by the Holy Spirit and insights and wisdom and knowledge. Let them flow in this room. I pray that you would have dreams and visions from God by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That tonight the Holy Spirit would hover over the place where you sleep and there will be a release of heaven over your life in the name of Jesus. Father God, I believe you're releasing callings into lives. It's been there, but it's like it's coming to an appearing. There's a manifestation of the call of God on your life as he rests upon you. God, may we go from strength to strength as we learn to practice the presence of God in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Wonderful. Let's just show our appreciation to Jared. It was stunning.